looking out for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Hustlers, grab your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101. California, here we come, right back where we started from. California! Welcome to the OCD, bitch, the show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at the seminal and underrated primetime soap over the early aughts. The OC, your host, Mike Ravagno. Boo. Featuring Ryan. Yay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, voiceover guy. Thank you, crowd who hated me and loved Ryan because you know he needs it more. I'm Mike. That's Ryan. How's it going, Ryan? It's not that the crowd thinks that you're a bad host. They're uh, very shocked that the person announcing the host is the host. Did you you try to do a different voice? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I'm not a good, I'm not, I'm no Don Pardo, which we all know in real life, he's always like, hey guys, you watch that SNL? I work on that show. Hi, I'm Don Pardo. (laughs) Do you, (laughs) so based on what you're saying, you think that SNL would have been better if, uh, all of the not ready for primetime players, uh, got fired and it was Don Pardo introducing Don Pardo and he ran out and he was every, and Don Pardo as Don Pardo. Once again, your host, Don Pardo. And come out and be like, pardon me. And everybody would go crazy. Fucking lose their mind. Uh, have you ever been to a comedy show where there is the, the voice in the sky and it's saying like, hey, turn off your cell phones. And you're like, I know that voice. Oh my God, that is Pete Holmes. And I'm here to see Pete Holmes. What the fuck is happening right now? I've done it, but it wasn't to see Pete Holmes. He just, he's always at every comedy show telling people to shut their phones off. He's, he's old and curmudgeonly these days. And I bet that even though he said, hey, please turn off your phones, he then laughed really, really hard for a long time at that simple <laughs> statement. I don't know why said. we're not all laughing. I don't know why we're not all laughing right now. But uh, yeah, I've been to numerous comedy shows where the, the voice in the sky does all the normal warnings, and then they say, uh, your, your host or whatever, and it's just it's the, their, it's the headliner the whole time. It's just a weird thing. Do they want to do that? Is that fun for them? Do you prefer Don Pardo to Rod Roddy? Ron Roddy Pardo? Rod Roddy. Who's that? Uh, Mike from Vancouver. Come on down. You're on the Price is Right. Yes, I'm a Don Pardo kid then. Or your favorite guy, Steve, who uh, not a lot of people know, but he lives, uh, or he, his place of work is right next to you, and he says things like, coming out to the stage, Sapphire. Mike, we know you're here. Come up to the stage. Get those dollar bills out. Put them everywhere. The, the voice is a little too clean cut, but I do appreciate that voice for sure. He's just so friendly. He always just wants to welcome everybody. Give Don't the girls deserve another round of applause? Like he just, he's in it for the girls. Even if there's no one in the building. And I, I like, I've been there when no one's in the building because I can only afford to like stand at the window and peer in with binoculars. Uh, and so when the building is empty, he'll still, still be like, everyone give it up again for Sapphire. There's no one there, And then Mike. you realize it's just a tape deck. <laughs> There's no Steve. There never has been Steve. It's just a tape deck from 1980s. Is it uh, Dr. DJ Pop, star of other? Dr. DJ Pop. He's got to make money somehow. We don't pay him enough to eat. He's always like, oil can. <laughs> Fuck you. Go to your other job, DJ Pop. I just want to go to a strip club where it's Pete Holmes saying, give it up for Sapphire, <laughs> and then Pete Holmes is Sapphire, and he comes out and strips. <laughs> is that so wrong? And just keeps yelling, why aren't we all laughing more? <laughs> Uh, I watched Hustlers recently, and I was like, I know that voice for the stripper DJ. 
And my my this is my wife's favorite game where I scream I know that voice and she's like nobody gives a shit please stop this in a in I, a movie theater. <laughs> I looked at her and go Dave Attell and she's like who is that What are you talking about right now? But Dave Attell has a really good strip club DJ voice. Good yeah good good he uh, I'm glad that he can find other work later. Did you like the Hustlers? I fucking loved Hustlers. It was awesome. Right now, Ryan, if you're a Patreon subscriber. You could go to your patreon.com slash filter and see my review of Hustlers. Ooh, Mike, and I don't want to take away from your review because I'm sure it's fucking really good and well-written and worth the money. I'm sure, like, you did a really, good, a month. really good job on that. But uh, a while from now, we're going to do the best movies of 2018. You know, a movie of the year. And sure. So we're going to hone in on eight movies. Do you think Hustlers is going to be one? I think I'll go down swinging for it. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah, uh, out of the movies of the year I've seen right now, for sure. And I se- feel like I've seen a lot of movies. I'll tell you this. It's in my top ten of the year so far, and I've seen Ad Astra. And you've seen Ad Astra? I've seen – oh, no, wait. I saw Ed Asner. Sorry, I got confused. Oh. Yeah. yeah, Ed Asner was just eating a fucking sunny side up and bacon for breakfast, and you're like, mm, I've seen better. <laughs> no, I said straight up, you're my number ten movie of the year. <laughs> you eating this sunny side up in bacon. <laughs> He just slumped, and he's like, why does everybody always say that to me? Why can't Ed be one for once? Get the fuck out of here, Asner. Stupid Ed, idiot. Ed, fucking go to space, you maroon. No, but honestly, like, let's be real. Uh, we talk a, a, a lot about like very iconic, important celebrities like that have really changed the field of television. Ed Asner hasn't done shit. He has never yeah. fucking lifted a single finger to do anything. Who the fuck was that fuck? I just realized this whole time we were saying Ed Asner. I was thinking of a different guy who played the director in the Truman Show. That's not Ed Asner. <laughs> that is, no, that is not. Who's that guy? Uh, that's uh, what's his name from uh, all the movies in the nineties. Ed, yeah. Ed Asner. Ed, Ed Asner. That's how useless Ed Asner is. He's not even the best Ed Asner. His name is Ed, though, right? Yeah, probably his name is Ed. All right, my favorite thing to do when I see Ed Asner is because he was the voice of the old man in Up. Uh huh. So I'll go up and I'll be like, "Hey, what's up?" And he'll be like. A movie I was in. I'll be like, nuh-uh, pooping silly, and then I'll push him off the bench he's sitting on. <laughs> I like to go up and say, your wife's dead, and I push him off the bench and scream <laughs> pooping silly at him. To be fair, that is what you say to most people. Ed Harris! Ed yes. Harris. So Ed Asner's not even that important. He's not even my top ten Eds. By the way, Ed Harris, not on the top of your head, okay? You're oh! bald, motherfucker. This is the only show where you hear all the best Ed Burns ever. Ending with, remember that TV show, Ed? Yes. Nobody does. No, you, fuck. You fucked Sorry. up the line. Shit. You're the one person who does remember the TV show, Ed. Do it Ryan, again, do it again, do it again, have... do it again. No, I got it. Yeah, you remember that TV show, Ed? Oh, Tom Cavanaugh worked in a bowling alley. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, it's, it's underrated. Nobody watched it. It's really sad. Uh, tonight on the OCD, Marissa recruits Ryan to help her with Harbor School's pep rally bonfire because sometimes she remembers she's still the social chair. But this pisses Alex off just a tad. Seth is stuck in the past and wants to hook Ryan and Marissa up, which Summer is strictly against. Meanwhile, Julie still doesn't know what she's going to do about that little porn problem and seeks some advice from Sandy. All that and more on tonight's The OCD! Ryan, t- this week's Breakfast Nook does not start in the Breakfast Nook. It is at Harbor High to remind us that they still go to this school. And Seth and Ryan are walking around the quad saying, This year is better than last year. I mean, we tried all new things. We tried yard guys and illegitimate daughters, but 
maybe things should be back to where they were before. Seth, just coming in hard with that Deadpool energy. All right, so let's get to it. Um, this is 05? Let's say middle of 05? Sure. What was the internet? There, I don't think there was Twitter. I don't think there was Instagram. And yet it's very clear, watching this episode, 15 years later, that a bunch of people were complaining about season two. Mm-hmm. Is this handwritten letters? They're just sending angry handwritten letters to Joshua Schwartz? I hope so. Hopefully, we will get handwritten letters uh, uh, to us about your enunciation and how maybe you could chill back a little bit, Schmidt. And how perfect it yes. is? I've been going to enunciation classes. No, what's the real douchebag word for those? Elocution classes. I have never been so upset about something in pop culture that I would go on to Twitter and at someone. To write a handwritten letter means that you were so angry that you took out your quill. You took out your bottle of ink. You found your pigeon, and this is the it's not one of those fuck-up pigeons. This is the one that knows where it's going when you tell it where to go. And you were like, dear Josh Schwartz, season one good, season two bad, bye. Bye, pigeon, bye. And you just draw your thumbs down while going, and he knows. He knows what that spittle meant. Uh, so Seth is encouraging Ryan isn't last year great even though this year could be better to get back with Marissa and Ryan's like no nothing is between us and then almost to belie that sentence he goes and even if there were uh, and at that moment Alex is dropping Marissa off at school also to remind us that Marissa still goes to high school and because Alex is very cool uh, when you say dropping off you mean literally uh, Alex paraglides into the high school with Marissa in her hands and then could land and give Marissa a gentle, here you go, here's a landing. But like four feet above where she's supposed to stop, Alex just drops her. And she just, all her books fly, and Alex just goes, get it, nerd! And then just everybody starts throwing stuff at Marissa, and you're like, wow, that's not a great relationship. I will say, though, Alex, seasoned wedgie veteran. That girl knows how to give a wedgie. A paraglide wedger? That is so beyond atomic. That is cosmic wedges. Because I think what people are mostly trying to do is rip the underwear. But no, if you know how to like use the exact strength where the underwear does not rip, it just keeps going up and yeah. up and up, and then you see the blood come from the bottom of the pants, that's a wedgie. You tie that around the top of a flagpole, they're stuck up there for hours. Oh, man. Flagpoles and nerds, always related. Uh, do you, do you yeah. want to meet at the flagpole so I can kick your ass, or should I just hang you up there because you're a nerd nerd? You Harvey Danger. Wait, that nickname's t- t- too cool. This is uh this is March two thousand five, okay. and I'm gonna guess roughly the time that Harvey Danger was rocking the charts. I think so. He was rocking the charts for years. Wait, if his name's Harvey Danger, what's his middle name? Da- Ronald. <laughs> Harvey Ronald Danger. <laughs> That's why he just goes by Harvey Danger, the cool name. So they separate. Uh, in summer, run, Seth runs into Summer. And he's just like, oh, I was hanging out with Ryan this morning. He doesn't say anything about wanting to hook up Ryan Marissa. There's just like a maniacal look in his eyes that makes her go, do, do not do this. Do not do this to them. Do not do this to us. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the second episode in a row where, like, Ryan uh, has a meter that will fill up of Seth. And once Seth fills that meter up, it's like, fucking stop, dude. You need to stop. Mm-hmm. It's also important to point out that the OC, as much as we love it, will occasionally make people say and do things just for drama's sake. What? I don't think that Ryan is saying, I don't like Marissa, so that we can extend the drama of will they, won't they. Ryan is being very clear. That relationship, mm. was, she is, she's smoking hot. That's Ryan. That's not me. Uh, but that relationship was awkward and terrible and just drama-filled. 
I, I do not like her. Nobody listens. Not a single person listens. Yeah, Ryan and Summer really should team up more often because Summer is so anti them happening as well. Because again, Summer, I think at this point, only believes in healthy relationships for everybody. But they never hang out. Every once in a while, we'll get a Coop and Seth. I want Ryan and Summer talk. Also, every time that Summer says, Ryan, don't do that thing, she's right. But then also Summer knows when to unleash Ryan. Nobody else except for Summer says like, hey, Ryan, we need the oh, Chino yeah. to come out right now. And then it's always She's appropriate. Waves the red Chino flag in front of his bull eyes. Meanwhile, the adults are trying to make up uh, by Sandy teaching Kiki how to golf. Right. Is this them being like, we got a bond again. Let's do this. Like, it feels like neither of them want to be doing this. Or maybe Sandy's super into it and Kirsten definitely is not. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's so, it's so bad therapist advice. You know, like the therapist was like, oh, this is what you guys have to do. You have to find things in common. But to me, it seems like such a reach of like, we are about to get divorced. So let's try this bullshit that neither one of us wants to do. Well, Sandy likes golf, and we've seen that. I think for a good therapist advice is maybe find a new skill together that you both do enjoy. It, but don't – you both need alone time. Don't ruin one of your alone times by adding somebody else. Yeah, it's the new one because now I can't play golf. I have to teach somebody else to play golf. And the other person's like, I hate this. This is awful. Uh, find a new thing. So like That you're both equally bad. How about like a ballet about golf? And now both of the interests are coming into play. Learn how to dance the golf ballet. Yes. <laughs> So while, while Sandy is trying to teach Kiki how to golf, uh, she's talking more about Carter Buckley. And Sandy's like, yeah, what else has is he done? And she, it's like, oh, National Geographic, uh, Time Magazine, Teen Vogue, because that'll be big in 10 years. Sports Illustrated, uh, Cosmopolitan, um, the New York Times, the New York Post, the Washington Post, uh, literally everything that you could possibly think of. And then she goes, uh, he self-published this little rag called The Revolution, and Sandy's eyebrows fucking caterpillar all over his face because that was his favorite magazine in Berkeley days. And now he's on the ground, limp. Like, he can't play golf anymore because of all of the energy it took to raise those eyebrows. Like, he can't move. Mm -hmm. But Kirsten just happened to mention the one thing that Sandy knew about right at the end. It was this small little rag, this zine, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. magazines are so cool that they uh, cut the MAGA off. Which is, They're not even mags anymore. I'd love to cut. I'd zines. love to cut the maga off this country, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, make America zine again! But no, Carter Buckley had this uh, shitty little rebellious rag called Rebellion, and Sandy was like, "What are you talking about? That's my favorite magazine of all time." And then he's like, "I would love to meet him. I, he he like shaped my youth, and the like a man of." Lip biting Kiki and eye swiveling Kiki does is like, oh no, what's gonna happen? Then? This is it, folks. This is our this is a, a self help podcast where Mike and I teach you how to be in relationships. And here's the things that you need to look for. It isn't uh, go up to your significant other and say, hey, are you cheating on me? And then when they say no, then just move on. It's when you ask them a very simple question. Hey, that guy was my hero. Can I meet him? And the other person says, maybe. Think a second thought about that. That's at least an emotional affair. And we're not even that far into Kirsten and Carter's relationship. Like th- They've met once? Yeah, they had one dinner, and she's already like, you never meet. That would be terrible. Uh, so that's where everybody's at. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, dive into Sandy and Julie hanging out. When we first see Julie in this episode, she is 
on the phone with Marissa, and Marissa quickly hangs up with her, and Julie, like she would only to a room alone, says, Ah, she is such a little me. Norma, she's only angry at Marissa, and here she's finally, like, bonding with her, with her shitty behavior. But, like, this is, it's important to sometimes note when Julie is a, like, a reasonable, thoughtful person, okay? Mm-hmm. She is a villain, but she is so nervous that Marissa is going to become Julie Cooper, and she knows how awful it is to be Julie Cooper. That is where her concern is. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's a lot about power, but it's also like, oh, these are all the things that I did, these and Marissa's about to be in a porn. And then get blackmailed for it 20 years later. Speaking of which, uh, she hangs up and looks up, and Lance is just hovering there, and Julie's like, great, you're not creepy enough. You just appear in doorways. Is Lance, the actor and the character, the most 05 person that has ever existed? I mean, he doesn't have an Ed Hardy t-shirt, but probably only because they couldn't afford that brand for this show. It's the hair. It's the face. It's like he's got that like sort of spray tan thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got like a sort of a grunty voice. He wears shirts that like where the logo is not in the on the chest, but like sort of on the shoulder instead. Right. Uh, this guy crushes uh, Red Bulls at a nonstop rate. This guy thinks that Entourage is better than The Wire. He definitely shops at Tap Out. He has a lifted Ford 150. Uh, yeah, he's a big dick bag from this Riverside. He will always say that UFC is not better than boxing. It's better than every American sport and will take over all sports soon. And then pause thoughtfully, look into the sky and be like, or maybe MMA is better. Not realizing if he's just kind of MMA Lance. Uh, if you spend more than 10 minutes with him, he will cautiously ask you if you want to see his Faces of Death VHS collection. Oh, oh uh, God. Oh. He, he only puts puka shells in places where puka shells could not be. Between the toes? Between the toes, baby. <laughs> uh, so so Lance, I think this is the first time he throws down the money amount. And he goes, I want... Is, he doesn't say 50000 Ryan, does he? He says $500,000? The original offer from both Julie and then Sandy later is, all right, fine, we will give you $50,000. And it seems like that is a lot of money, but Julie could pull that off without any like sort of work, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I can definitely hand you fifty grand, like Mike. I could hand you five dollars. Like I think that if I, if you ask for five dollars, I could give you that, and it wouldn't crush I, my entire life. But if I ask for fifty, you're gonna have to talk to the wife. Yeah. If I, if you ask for fifty, I will hire hoodlums to come and beat you up so you stop asking me for fifty dollars. <laughs> you're real brave. They're forty dollars uh, each. So, <laughs> and you spend your money wisely. Uh, so Julie's like, "Oh fuck, what do I do?" He told me I have like three days. She goes to Sandy. And instead of, like, at the no build-up, no runway, she just throws the porn identity VHS on his desk. And he is speechless. <laughs> now, Mike, you have, on air and off-air, mentioned how much uh, the Malpasode and Blaze of Glory fit together. And mm-hmm. I think a real interesting one is, it's not just about the Alex, it's about Sandy's dealings with his family and their problems. <laughs> and in Malpasode, Caleb was distraught about his missing daughter, and Sandy was really there for him, and Caleb was there for Sandy. In Blaze of Glory, Julie comes in and throws down a porn starring Julie, and Sandy is, I'm a lawyer? <sighs> Hold on, <laughs> give me a second. <sighs> I will do what I can, but please understand, a barrage of jokes is coming your way, because yeah. this is ridiculous. And before he could talk, she's like, it was the 80s. I was young, I needed money. It it was the 80s. Like, everybody was doing porn in the 80s, Sandy. Sandy also lived through the 80s. Like, he understands what the 80s had. 
Julie's stipulation for Sandy's help, which he has not offered yet. Uh, no cops, because then everybody will find out. No Caleb, because he'll leave her. And then, more than anything, she says, what if Marissa found out? She She's definitely afraid that, like, all the almost institutionalizing Marissa didn't put her away forever, but this might be the final straw that makes Marissa just give up on her mom. And I'm not sure if Marissa, like, this would disgust her so much that now she will never talk to Julie again, or if she's just looking for the final straw. Like, maybe Marissa doesn't care that she was in a porn, but this right. is such a good out, you know? Oh, yeah. I also love on- how, once again, Julie is very specific. What if my daughter, my one single daughter, what if Marissa, my only child, found out about this? I am worried about Marissa and no other children. Did the writers forget about Caitlin for a few years? Probably, yeah. They just put her in the Morgan closet. Morgan's the daughter from Boy Meets World that disappeared for years. You know, your favorite show. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Uh, So Sandy goes along, and he's like, all right, you deal with Marissa, I'll deal with the colonel. That's a Boogie Nights reference. Expect a lot of them. Yes, that is that's a great line. Um, you should make it very clear up front um, that there's going to be many jokes, and here's where like here is like the realm of the jokes. It's uh, mostly that he saw Boogie Nights, and that's his entryway into the pointiverse. I also sort of like like even though that all characters have to be doing something, and Julie and Sandy had nothing to do, so it makes sense that Julie went to Sandy. I also like though that like Julie knows that Sandy will do whatever he's supposed to you know he'll be that white knight but also his opinion of her can't get any lower so it sort of makes sandy the perfect go-to person he's the one person who literally their entire relationship never fell for the julie cooper spell right she's like oh i can be real i can just fucking be me man it'd be like what should have happened is julie saying like hey do you remember that like that 30 or 40 dinners that we've had together where you were like hey julie where's your porn here it is all right you were right i did it when he says go deal with Marissa, is he like tell her, or is it just because she hasn't seen her in a long time? Like I, I didn't get what that meant. Uh, I think that especially with somebody like Mar- uh, Julie, it's go deal with her as in come up with another strategy. You're a villain, and so and you've tried everything, so now go try a different thing. So Julie goes her way. Sandy goes. He finds Lance, uh, and Lance is probably at a dirtbag motel, and instead of saying hello, he just looks at Sandy. And says, you got a warrant. And also, there's a hooker there. And Lance says, hey, go get yourself a cola from the gas station down the street. Like, we already know this guy is a dirtbag. I wish he had said, go get yourself the cheesy poofs and choco things from the vending machine. (laughs) Because that's what OC characters do at hotels. Um, It's important to note that when Sandy walks up, Lance is blaring from the hotel room. uh, Rock me like a hurricane. Uh-huh. In, in such a manner that, like, it's it's turned up to a level where, like, it's only two annoy neighbors. Yes. Nobody wants to listen to it that loud. You're trying to piss people off. Yeah, he wants to get in a fight that night. It just doesn't matter who with. Uh-huh. And, and then he wants to pay this hooker for sex. There, We're dabbling in a thing right here that I do want to talk to you about. Because Sandy, we used to think of Sandy as, like, this perfect beacon of integrity. But do, do you think that Sandy, do you think that you... When you come upon somebody that is like Lance, and Sandy thinks that Lance is probably shitty, and then Lance proves it right away. Uh-huh. Do, do your morals and ethics and standards change because you're dealing with somebody who is obviously terrible? Like, are you ready to play dirty? Yeah, because you know that this guy is, A, going to play dirtier, and two, deserves it. Or do you think it's important to you to say, like, 
I will not be Lance, and I will keep up my Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Smith, It's a Wonderful Life, ethics and morals for your every situation that you're in. No, I'm probably more of a dirtbag. <laughs> I'll dirtbag to dirtbag. I mean, Lance is awful in every single way possible, right? Yeah. And There's like, no good quality. And so it's going to take you a lot of time to figure out how to beat him legally. I don't know. I think that if I meet Lance and he uh, proves my predispositions about him, I think I'm going to think about every way I could take this guy down. Yeah, uh, so Sandy explains who he is. Uh, and Lance says, if you don't give me half a million dollars in three days, uh, he'll stream. It'll live stream. What was streaming in 2005 like? I think it was uh, you hire a plane to fly a banner up, but instead of a banner, it's a TV, and then you play the porn for people on the beach. Because, so this was like fucking rocking MySpace era days, where if a song and a colored background on somebody's page was up it would shut down your computer like we couldn't <laughs> load music and colors so how, what's this video gonna do and we already had four tabs up screaming you're the man now dog so like i don't have time for <laughs> to watch this movie um i have to imagine i'm looking it up now that this was roughly the time where somebody yeah uh this was like six months after uh some random dude that was exactly like lance uh put a video of paris hilton public Ah, ripped from the headlines. So I think that there was VHS copies of that. That's how most people saw it. But right. uh, there had to be other ways to get that Paris Hilton video. And apparently it was a very slow streaming. Like, uh, here's a clip. Uh, here's an image. Uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll continue the adventures of Sandy and Julie. Ryan, after his run-in with Lance where nothing really happened, Sandy goes to Julie... Uh, and he's like, ah, uh, we'll get him. I don't know what we're going to do, but we'll get him. And Julie's like, can we charge him for extortion? Or no, Sandy's like, we can charge him for extortion. And Julie's like, no, because again, that means the law has to come into play. And the first actual bonding they have, because it, it is weird how he bonded with Caleb last episode. Uh, they just start, they're like, this is hard problem. Let's just talk about our kids. And they bond over their kids being fuck-ups who run away from their problems. Right. Uh, and Sandy gives her... Pretty good piece of wisdom, uh, saying sometimes it's not the message, it's the messenger. And even uh-huh. if Sandy didn't mean to do this, when Seth ran to Portland, the person who got Seth back from Portland was Ryan. So Julie's like, I'm going to go bug Ryan at the I, pool house. I love this. I love this as instead of like Anton Chigurh being in your TV show and being like this messenger of chaos and fucking everything up, we have this person who was supposed to be that, but instead... We'll all just go to him and deliver anti-chaos. Like, we will send Atwood wherever we need him to go to, like, solve problems. Look, we're adults who should be able to handle any of this. Let's lay it on this kid who's had a pretty rough life. Now, last week we talked about uh, Alex and Julie and how Julie couldn't stop being Julie with Alex. Did she do a better job with Ryan? Well, it's interesting because they have such a deeper relationship of openly hating each other. And at this point, it is, it's like... What villain? It's like Deathstroke and Batman when they talk. There's no hate. It's just like, I know we're supposed to say this, but there's kind of game respects game. It's the dog and the wolf in Looney Tunes who like just clock in and clock out and then like they're yes. cool after that. Uh, yeah, I, like Ryan has a pretty good sense of who is a villain and who is not. But uh, when he sees Julie Cooper, there's something else. Like I think that she thinks that it's not like he thinks that like it's not like. Uh, just a person doing their thing. Like I think that he is really creeped out by her. By Julie? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, she's really creepy. She does creepy things. And Ryan's one of the few people who doesn't let her forget that she fucked Luke. (laughs) He doesn't bring it up in this episode, but he's brought it up in the past when everybody else is like, whatever. But yeah, I mean, like, to finish every sentence that he says to her with, you fuck Luke. Like, is that taking it too far? No, he should do it more. He should interrupt his own sentences to say it to her. And he only calls her lukewarm because the only thing that (laughs) can make her warm was that fucking idiot. Gross. Uh, I, I, a perfect Julie being Julie line when she rolls into the pool house. She's like, sorry to interrupt whatever it is you're doing. Brooding? Yeah. And th- Ryan needs to be pegged by his broody, broody face. Yeah, see, that one doesn't make me mad. Like, that's a good call. Uh, she's not being super passive aggressive there, and Ryan should probably brood less. Right. And he's in the middle of brooding. Uh, she asks him to interfere, and she's like, you know, Marissa will listen to you, and blah, blah, blah. And I like, Ryan, like... There's a desperation to Ryan. He goes, I'm not getting involved in Marissa's life. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is done. And, I mean, Julie, I think Julie's doing a good thing here. She is, like, uh, she's, you know, sort of bringing her ego walls down in order to figure out the solution to her problems. You know, this is hard for her to do. But what she doesn't know is all the stuff from this episode and the last episode. So she's like, can you talk to Marissa? She's like, no, never again. <laughs> and- Stop. Yeah, uh, like, Ryan's in the middle of it right now, and he just wants out of it. And Julie's like, all right, bro. Jesus. Okay. I'll send, I don't know, Anna from Pittsburgh. Who cares? So, that would be great. Uh, So, we flash. Sandy finds Lance again, and he offers to buy the master, the film, and the negatives, which I don't know the difference between the negatives and the master, uh, for the original price, for for $500,000 in two weeks. And Lance is like, hell yeah, and signs it. And then Sandy, this is when he lawyers his ass. He's like, if one fucking frame, if a millimeter, if a sniff of this VHS gets out there, we're coming after you for 10 times what we're going to pay for you. Which and is, that's like, that's good Jimmy Stewarting. Right. This is, this is it. Is that like, you have to remember that like, this guy works on like threats and violence and sabotage and ruining, but. When people work with that with those things as their weapons, they're also very fucking stupid, you know. Mm-hmm. And like they're easily they're easy to intimidate. So you go right. in there, you say straight up what you're doing, and then now he's gonna back off. He didn't. Instead, uh, he ran outside and uh, snowboarded in the water while <laughs> drinking Code Red. But that's mm-hmm. just how he handles things. Wait, but I thought Lance was a villain. What you just described is very cool. Oh, Mike. This is when you find out you're the villain of my story. No. Oh, no. Uh, Sandy goes back to Julie, tells her what the poo is, and Julie's like, I'm screwed. And Sandy, best Sandy line of the show ever, goes, I know. I saw the footage. All right. So, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Now, is Sandy making an easy joke? Or did he say to himself, well, if I'm going to take this case, I have to straight up take the porn identity VHS and put it in my VHS and watch my mother-in-law get fucking fucked. I don't think he has to do that legally, but I think those bushy eyebrows raised a bit, and you're like, I want to see what Julie Cooper's all about. Would you be able to not? Uh, Would Julie Cooper? No, I would not be able to Okay, no, 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 I'm not talking about Julie Cooper. We all know your feelings (laughs) towards Julie Cooper. I'm talking about if you're Sandy... And somebody who is a Julie to you, if you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so friend or sort of relative or relative by marriage. Friend of me. Leaves their porn tape. And you don't have to watch it. But it's right there. 
do you get off on the fact that you didn't watch it and that makes you some sort of hero? Or do you absolutely 100% watch it? I don't watch it and jerk off to my own self-righteousness. That's the answer. <laughs> so you <laughs> you jerk off to you in a mirror being self-righteous. Oh, don't watch it. You're not going to watch it, you dirty dog. Uh, I, would you watch it? I watch it and jerk off to watching it. Like <laughs> I'm that guy who... You know, how porn works. <laughs> I'm that guy who'll jerk off to porno. <laughs> You're weird, man. All right, uh, th- that's wrapped up their storyline for this episode. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's dive into Kiki and Cardi. Ryan, so Kirsten's rolling into work. Uh, at this point, does not do the job she's ever done for the Newport group, is only working on this magazine with Julie, uh, and finds out Julie breezes by, and she's like, nope, not coming in. Something came up. I'm out. Uh, and then the assistant tells Kiki that Carter left a slurred message at 3.30 in the morning saying he probably wouldn't make it to and I the do, meeting. I like the assistant's delivery because typically everyone in Newport is just a fucking, like, uh, just elitist asshole. But I like how she's careful with this information. Uh, Carter mm-hmm. said that he's not coming in, and um, he... He slurred all of his words. Like there wasn't judgment there. It was just like that is important information that her boss should know. Right, but she's not doing it to be a little juku. Right, like, she was like, ah, I'm a good person. Maybe the show should be about me. Also, he he went to say like 50 words, uh, but instead he said one, uh, and I think that something's up with them. Uh, so Kiki is like, well, fuck that. I got nothing to do. I'm not the president of a company or anything. I'm gonna go find where this guy lives. And he is drunk. For us, I guess we think it's the morning. And is really rude to her right away. Like, the, it's a 15-second conversation before she bails out of there. I'm going to say 11 a.m. And on the last episode, we talked about how uh, Kirsten has been given a high school boyfriend, but now they're all, like, 40, right? Uh-huh. But this is basically, like, the high school asshole that your uh, all-girls dads want you to stay away from. Uh, and it's really hard. It's really hard to uh, watch this and not think that it was all set up by this asshole who was like, uh-huh. "There's, I, I, I think that if I don't go in, if I call in drunk, she's going to come over, and then I'm going to be drunk, and I'm going to be blaring pixies, and she's going to think that that's super cool, and then I'm going to like not even wear shoes, jeans with bare feet, Mike? What are we doing here? Well, he's at his own home. I don't have a problem with that. No, no, no. Shoes and homes. This is what we're doing now. No jeans, You're- just shoes. Wait, so shoes, socks, nothing, T-shirt. You want everybody to poo bear. I want everybody to poo bear. I will, I will accept uh, if your socks fall down to have those like uh, sock garters all the oh, way up your naked leg. Yeah, but no pants. <laughs> Ooh, all the way up your naked leg. Now, does, do you think the hair gets caught in your sock garter? Speaking of hair, yes, obviously. Well, I don't have leg hair. Do you have leg hair? Yeah, I'm... A goddamn adult. God decided that I would be a swimmer and shaved my leg hair for me, is what my mom told me. <laughs> and your diet decided you would never be a swimmer. How dare you? <laughs> I'm the Carter Buckley of this goddamn podcast, and you're the Kiki coming in to check on me right now. Thank you. This is the second time that we've mentioned that some fucking douchebag asshole who does not know how to handle their emotions is blaring music at the top of the volume only to bug the neighbors. Oh shit! Do you think? Do you think the show is trying to draw a connective tissue between Carter and Lance? That, like, 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they came in at the same time, and we're supposed to think that uh, Lance is a pure villain, and Carter is the best, and Julie's a pure villain, and Kiki's the best. Not that much difference, bro. Not that much difference in what's going on. Uh, Kiki comes in, and the fact that she went over there, if it was, if this person who called in was a 50-year-old female, do you think Kiki would go to the house and see, oh, I'll just go see what's up? No, she'd just be like, fine, you're fired. But she already knows she doesn't want Sandy to meet him. Goes to yes, for sure. Goes to Carter's house. Uh, he's got half a glass of bourbon, jeans with no shoes, blasting the pixies. Has a huge record collection, just like all the stuff that like would impress you if you were a sixteen-year-old girl. Girls love guys who drink bourbon. So Kiki Bales talks to Sandy a little more about what that revolution zine was all about. Uh, and he's like, do you have one of those? And and grabs it. And does she leave a note on it, or does she just slip it into the his mailbox? There is a note. I'm not sure if we can see what it says, but there is a post-it note that says a, a couple of words. And probably like, remember what used to be, you drunk piece of shit. Uh, or, I want to see your peener. That's probably what it said. <laughs> right up your jeaner. And <laughs> so she just bails. She's, she, the music is still very loud. Uh, and then he shows up at her office, less drunk seeming. Uh-huh. Maybe it's the next day. Maybe he showers and shitted and shaved. Uh, and he, he's doing the like the dirty move, but like he respects it. Like reminding me what I used to be. Not not all like the award winning stuff he's done for real magazines, but that piece of shit thing he did in college. Right, because when he was the editor in chief of National Geographic, it probably was still I'm drunk all the time and fuck this magazine. It's stupid. This is- Bullshit sellout whales. This is okay, Boomer the magazine. I don't give a shit. But she <laughs> He's the one who coined it. She put the zine in there and he's like, Well, you got me. And I do appreciate that instead of seeing him get go to the mailbox, find the magazine, and then stare out his window for ten minutes thinking. Instead, he just goes right up to Kirsten and it was like, You got me. You did it. You, <laughs> you changed my mind forever. You did it. And she's like, we could make Newport Living subversive. And it's crazy how they don't just like burst into laughing until they're both on the floor crying. Okay, so they clearly want to fuck each other. And that's the only way that two people could have one of them say, let's make Newport Living subversive, right? Like, that's the only way that you yes. sit through that sentence. Ooh, speak dirty again, baby. Like, what? It's going to be the, like the Newport Mad Magazine, like National Lampoon. Or, or is it thinking, like, most of the articles are luxury living, and every once in a while it's going to be like, fuck the 1%, like, hidden in there and, like, in little comics? Every article after the one that Julie wrote, because you know she's writing an article every magazine, uh, it says, hey, gossip time, uh, I heard about this person named Julie C. Wait, no, Jay Cooper. Jay Cooper. She's <laughs> stupid bitch, right? Bye. She's in a porn. <laughs> and they're just making it up, but they are dead balls accurate. Uh, so Carter, in a in a sign that maybe he's not like a dirtbag, he's like, "Oh, your husband had this. Oh, I should meet him. That's awesome." And Kiki, even more obviously than with Sandy, is like, "Oh, oh, oh no." <laughs> uh, yeah, she's going full cartoon. Uh, steam coming out of her ears, and an anvil falls on her. Uh, and that's that's all we get from these crazy kids. I gotta say, dude, even though I've said that like this run of shows is the greatest run of episodes in TV history, it sucks that we just got rid of Rebecca and now Carter's here. Carter is going yeah. to be the worst thing that we deal with for the rest of season two. Is he season two's Oliver? 
Yeah, absolutely. Or like him and Rebecca, like they sort of tie because it's one and then the other. Like Lance is so two dimensional and like there's such like such little stakes that it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. Carter feels like sort of painted in there because we think we need something. And because we don't care about Julie, but Kirsten and Sandy are like a couple we looked up to. Right. And the show just wants to ruin that. I'm too mad. Ryan, I can't. I'm too mad. I don't want the show to ruin it. We're done. We're done for the night. We have so much more to talk about, Mike. I know. We haven't even talked about the kids. We'll have to do that next week. No, this is unprecedented. We have never just stopped a show in the middle and left the rest for next week. Are you that mad? Now it's. Now it's precedented. Thank you to the Hall of Phonics. Go to yourpopfilter.com for all the stuff we do. Go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon if you want to support us. Go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter if you want to support us in a more direct way. Get fun shit for it. Subscribe, rate, and review to the OCD Superhero Hour and Movie of the Year. Email us at contact at yourpopfilter.com and follow our social media handles at yourpopfilter. Did, did I get it all? I do. I do want to point out real quick that uh, if you want to, Moody of the Year is the show where we take a two-hour piece of art and do it all in one hour. So if you're not into this whole thing that we do, where it's take a one-hour piece of art and turn it into two, two and a half hours, movie is the reverse of that. <laughs> so go ahead. Nobody has described them so succinctly before. Uh, next week, we will dig into what all the kids are doing and how are they going to build this bonfire. But until then, can you just stay gay dads and get me those Green Lantern JPEGs Latro? California! That was good practice. Do you want to start recording?